Hi everyone! Welcome back to another episode of Empower It Podcast. And today, we continue with our reflection on what we have learned. We are one year into the pandemic and I'm very excited because if you've noticed, almost all of the episodes, in all of the episodes, we are welcoming back our honorable guests from, from the previous seasons. And right now, I do remember our special guest is Mr. Frederick Perez. Um, I do remember that he was he was the last guest that I, that I interviewed face to face before we went into uh, I think into the pandemic. We I think we were discussing about literacy and all those uh, problems before, especially with the PISA results. Now he's back. So welcome back, Mr. Frederick Perez. Thank you very much, Jim, and welcome back to our listeners and our viewers. All right. For those who do not know yet, Mr. Frederick Perez is the Assistant Principal for Academics at Savior School, New Valley, and he is also the President of the Reading Association of the Philippines. So we are very much honored for his presence as he enlightens us on our one big topic. It's a big topic, and I'm not quite sure if one episode is... I'm pretty sure one episode is not enough to, to really discuss uh, most of it, but we are happy that he's here to enlighten us uh, a little bit further. Um, let's go and, and dig deep into the idea or into the reality or the state of literacy in the Philippines at this time of the pandemic. Mr. Perez, after one year or almost or more than a year into the pandemic, what key insights can you share to us about the state of literacy? In, uh, in the Philippines right now? First, I would uh, like to talk about policy. You know? So uh, the government has actually experienced uh, dealing with uh, students and teachers in uh, online and modular approach, and we don't have the face-to-face um, setup. I, my first insight is to be able, I hope that our leaders will be able to call for a research, maybe convoked by an educational commission, which will uh, assess the learning losses, the learning gaps our students experience in both literacy and numeracy, so that uh, we may be able to address this problem uh, more significantly and more to the point. That's my first insight. My second insight is actually um, we should be able to, at this point, no, to train our teachers better uh, because our system of education, our higher education institutions might be training our teachers now still on face-to-face and traditional approach. I think that there should be a shift in the training of our teachers at this point that since they are learning online also, there should be a shift on training on different methods which will address problems and also strategies in online and modular approach in teaching. Uh, there should be, uh, they should be exposed to... To these uh, methods, no, uh, 
And then also um, there should be, I think, because the parents, the community, they're now involved in the education of our children. So I believe that it is important that um, the community may also be trained or given formation or at least informed. Because what happened to us now is that um, the modules just came into the parents' laps and they were surprised what to do with the modules. So there should be an active and engaged uh, training or even information campaign to parents and local government units and community helpers to be able to teach our students, especially those who are doing the modular approach. And here, uh, it's true, I have mentioned this in other interviews I had, that the home is becoming the seedbed of education once again. But um, I believe that in the local government units, in the barangays, there should be learning hubs. Uh, I mean here that we should involve uh, older kids, like those who are out of school, those who are those who are stay-at-home moms, uh, those community leaders who are capable of uh, actually uh, alleviating uh, the current situation, which is really for me very. Um, frustrating, I should say. So, so far, uh, that's what I want to have an educational commission uh, to, and a call for research. Number two is still training of teachers. And number three is involvement of the community. No? Greater involvement of the community through learning hubs, community learning tutors, and community learning guardians. Um, Sir Perez, I love your point, especially the last one, um, the community involvement. Um, for the longest time, because, of course, our default before was really face-to-face, -face, the responsibility really of, of teaching and making sure that everyone, uh, every student gets to read, uh, do math problems, or every literacy that they have, it's always been like, you know, it's the job of the school, it's the job of the teacher, Right. Um, you would always hear uh, in, in Tagalog it, or Filipino, it would say, kaya nga, kaya nga, that's why we're sending you to school because teachers are there to teach you. Um, and right now, if there's one thing that we could really pick up from the state of literacy and how it's connected with the community or even with the family itself, the basic unit of the community, is that you know, it's a shared responsibility um, more often before, we would always hear parents, our stakeholders, their partners. But most of the time, I think because it's also because how schools have uh, really run uh, learning or the learning and teaching process itself. It's always, you know, just go to school, uh, teachers will take care of you. And then when you go home, no homework or whatever. It's not that we want that we want that there will be home more and more homework. But right now, parents have realized again their role, that they are integral to, to the learning process also. Uh, the family. Um, I've, I've, always, I've always treasured that memory of my father 
my mother who would just sit uh, sit before uh, near me or beside me and say, what happened in school? Is there a difficult lesson? Things like that. So, well, it's there's one thing that we could pick up from the pandemic. It's the realization again, how the uh, how the role of the community, of the family, like what you said, even older brothers uh, and sisters, siblings, right? So very helpful insights. Um, Mr. Perez, reading and writing. I do remember uh, you 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 came to Saver School San Juan, and then I asked you, let's let's do a podcast, and we were talking about the the PISA result. Uh, and I, I'm I'm pretty sure I was one of those people who have uh, interviewed you <laughs> about uh, what you think about the the reading and writing, or even the result of PISA itself. Um, and then come the pandemic. Uh, we again talked about this, right? Uh, I think this is your third episode with us right now. What has changed? What has transformed in terms of these skills? Um, I, I interview people. I, I have not, or we have not conducted a, a formal research as of the moment, but uh, in my interviews with teachers, especially in the public schools, uh, what has really been bothering many of them is that uh, the students are actually not doing their modules properly. So, what? So the teachers, in fact, I have many teacher friends from the public school who are actually saying. How do we assess now? How do we grade? Is it fair for us to give a numerical grade to, to our students when, in fact, we do not know if they are really the ones who, who did the modules? So the, what has really changed for me at, the, at this point, especially in the modular approach, is the, the loss maybe or the lack of academic integrity because our, our, our teachers are not convinced that the students are the ones who answer the modules. But I think it's also rooted in the fact that our modules are written just like textbooks. They're not really uh, modules which are self-directed. Uh, the modules look like textbooks and it's not enough for a student to just read the modules. I think that some of the modules need still adult instruction. So that is uh, something. And then also uh, in terms of academic integrity um, and then assessment, uh, what else? Those are the two main points, I think. No? So uh, academic integrity and assessment, that is the worry of many of our teachers. However, in the online, set, online distance learning, for example, it's also a worry, but less because there are parameters uh, being used by online teachers which help them assure the integrity of their assessments. And in reading, what is reading and writing, uh, what is difficult is that our students are no longer in touch with the text. 
in, in the modular approach, the students are left to the modules. They're le left with the text with no adult guide. In the online distance or online learning, they have the text, but it's in, an, in another form, in a digital form. Um, so I think there's a gap in between. There's a big gap in between because in the modular approach, the students are left to themselves. In the online uh, uh, setup, the students are used to, to texts, actual texts, but now it's on digital, digital form. So it might also cause digital fatigue um, and also the, the smell of the book, the smell of the pages, the, the, the tactile part of reading. So, well, for many of our students are digital natives, so it might not be a problem. But for those who are not attuned to digital texts, then it becomes a problem. Mr. Perez, I love your idea about uh, how learning materials or the learning resources that are being designed actually play a crucial, a crucial role. Um, I do remember this because in distance education, I think it's the mindset. Uh, we have to make sure that teachers understand that distance education itself requires, you know, it has its own pedagogical approaches, even principles on, on designing learning resources and materials. Uh, I do remember spending one, one semester or one term understanding learning materials. And in distance education, um, they, uh, it is said that the learning materials, the modules, the learning packets, all those, of, uh, all those things are extension of the teacher. So yes. it, it, it extends the teaching presence of the non-present teacher. So, so I think it's, it's very interesting because if you, like what you've said, I, I've, I've seen modules, printed modules, and it's very impersonal. It's as right. if here are the knowledge, expose, 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 then exposition of knowledge. Here are your formative assessments, let's check. And then behind it is the inverted answer key. It's, it's impersonal because I've always, when I was training teachers, I've always uh, told them that make sure that your students can hear you as okay. if you're talking directly to them. And it, it's interesting because in the end, you, you always see, you will always see very impersonal ones. I mean, textbooks are good. They're, they're learning materials. But right now, um, we need to make sure that, one, it's not just speaking to the student. Second, it's developmentally appropriate. Correct. Uh, yeah. So it goes to the point of direct and explicit instruction. And at the same time, it should be dia dialogical. So it, there should be a connection established through the modules and through the, even the, the modules being up, uh, uploaded in our online distance learning. I, I experience now doing uh, online distance learning in the school where I work. And we, we advise our students, uh, our teachers, to make modules which are speaking to the students as if the teacher is there. So you know that, Jim. So 
it's it should be there should be a relationship created at the same time it's not just about the subject there should be a relationship because uh there there should still be the social aspect of learning which is being lost as we are doing uh this modular and online distance learning i was trying to uh the the term is i trying to remember it's called guided didactic conversation okay. i think that's the principle yeah. in distance education uh very basic i think very basic it simply means that your learning material should extend uh the the non non present physical presence or something like that of the teacher very interesting because i think like what you've said in terms of teacher training um that's that's one area that maybe we could look into um mr paris moving on to the next part um challenges what what challenges do you still see at this time around i mean we're more than a year we've learned we're, we've definitely learned from our experiences i know that a lot of schools uh from the moment from the first time they brought out their primer primers for for their distance uh education program or learning continuity program after one month there were a lot of changes already modifications it's it's very good because uh those changes actually considers on uh, student and parent and even teachers input uh so we we definitely we've definitely learned from our previous experiences um but based on your you know expertise and perspective as president of a big organization in the philippines what continues to to challenge us right now uh first of all uh it's still uh the training of teachers you know it's uh it's still lacking but i want to look at it in a more positive way that uh we have to engage our teachers and listen to them because so it means the first part i want to the problem of teacher training will persist but what i want educator educational leaders like me and like all the others uh would do us to develop literacy is to 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 help the teacher in an engaged literacy I, that's the first time that's the first time i'm pronouncing that engaged literacy which means that it is not only print literacy it will include other uh media like uh digital texts audio books no so that's the problem will remain but i want us to have an engaged literacy which means that um also that the materials should not only come from our academic uh materials uh we should look at our environment uh so that an engaged literacy is a literacy which is found where you are so this is something which we have to promote so if they have comics if they have uh, graphic novels if i mentioned this in another interview if they have balutan ng tinapa no old newspapers uh we can use this in the instruction of children and in develop literacy uh one thing which is lost in both modular and uh, online learning is um writing 
So there's a, a widening gap of writing losses because, uh, you know, the fine motor skills are not exercised. But how do we, how do, we do that? Um, we should also uh, involve our students in other uh, activities other than writing, like drawing, you know, doing arts. So that's how we can actually help our students. And then also, uh, we have to really rely on other people. No, so I mentioned that already, uh, the involvement of the community. And we have to uh, awaken in our parents uh, and strengthen in them family literacy. We always say that uh, all teachers are reading teachers, but uh, family literacy may be developed with parents who are reading to their students, telling them stories, and to other forms. So, multiple literacies will be essential also because I think we are not, uh, we are continuing, we, we will continue to experience uh, education in the pandemic in maybe one or more uh, year. So that's something I want to say. All right, thank you, Mr. Perez. Um, I love what you've uh, you mentioned about um, every teaching, uh, every teacher is a reading teacher. I've always wanted that. It, it, it always captures my attention and it always pushes me also to advocate. Um, I, for one, have experienced that when I was a student. Um, I can't solve word problems because basically I don't understand what the word problems were asking me, and that was math. Um, of course, it's a very specific kind of, you know, comprehension, reading comprehension. It's in a specific discipline. But I do remember before that the only intervention or the only way for me to really understand that was, you know, my math teacher really sitting down uh, with us and telling us, this is how you need to understand. So I was very thankful for that. I was already in high school. Um, as the word problems be uh, became more complicated, it was you know, harder to understand the, uh, what, what I need to solve. I mean, like, you, number one, you, can, you don't really understand what's, what it's asking, and then you get lost with the numbers <laughs> and, and the formula uh, that is being uh, asked of you. But very interesting. And I think, Mr. Perez, you, the good point that you've also mentioned is how, how school leadership, how administrators would really ensure that the professional training programs of teachers, especially with literacy, is not just, you know, a sporadic thing. Like, you know, we, we do it during summer in service training, but during the school year, no more follow-through, no more follow-up. It's as if there's a scheduled PD and the scheduled PD is happening during summer. Um, I hope we get to, you know, change that kind of, of mindset. Mr. Perez, we're on the last part of our, you know, conversation. Any last thoughts about our topic on literacy? Um, uh, I would like first, before I conclude, uh, to highlight what you said about 
your problems in math and literacy. I believe that literacy is the mother of all knowledge or the mother of all learning because uh, to be able to learn, we have to appreciate the letters, the sounds, and everything that uh, it's in, in that uh, we have on the page or the screen. Uh, what I want and what I suggest parents and teachers to do this time is to be able to encourage our students to become independent learners. So uh, during the pandemic, our students will have to do a lot of uh, learning in autonomy. Uh, maybe as you have mentioned and heard, uh, we have to alleviate learning poverty. There's really learning poverty. There's really a vacuum which exists in our midst. And parents and teachers should be able to do scaffolding in order to help our students become independent learners. That is the goal. We are now forced to engage our students into active learning. We, we, you know, we, we, we have to provide uh, scaffolds no crutches, support in order for them to learn. And uh, what I want our parents to do is not to give them the answer key at the back, <laughs> not to give them uh, easy uh, ways, which is actually contributing to their non-learning or unlearning. So that's one. And then uh, we have to develop also um, significant adults as learning guides. We have to develop um, family literacy. We have to develop trust in the family so that this may result into a more engaged literacy at home. Uh, and also for schools, educational leaders, we can actually uh, encourage um, literacy, you know, reading, writing, speaking, listening, viewing, and presenting in different forms through video formats, through vlogs, and at the same time, giving them uh, other ways like uh, helping them or guiding them to learn with their peers. No, it's very common now to say that there could be peer reading. In most schools I know, they, they provide a summer reading list. Uh, and then, um, you know, take all opportunities at home and online to become uh, literacy opportunities. That's something I want to promote at this time. No? So unengaged literacy. It's not, I will say it in Filipino, uh, it's not um, mag-aaral ka lang, magbabasa ka lang for learning. So you will only read for academic purposes. So literacy should be a tool in all our activities to develop life skills, to help them in their psychological needs. Uh, for example, if they're sad, you can give them a book which will help them perk their, their spirits, you know? so things like that. So literacy is the mother 
of all knowledge and we have to to have an engaged literacy both online and at home that's perfect answers mr perez um quoting uh yes uh two days ago i spoke in the simio congress 2021 and we mentioned that reading is fundamental it's very fundamental such that it's the door that opens opportunities for every individual so thank you for the big idea the very essential reminder mr paris about the role of literacy reading writing and even um higher level of literacy skills that we need to uh focused on and have developed in our students so we've reached our last part so there's not much to to do but to thank mr paris for for being here with us um mr paris is always um on the go is a very busy person but he always makes time for for joining our empower at podcast and we're very much grateful for that mr paris so thank you so much mr paris thank you very much jim and continue to soar and help educators develop their skills in this time of crisis thank you and thank you to our audience for being with us we'll see you in our next episode goodbye everyone goodbye mr paris thanks again